we've been conditioned in a way, uh, a little bit in our society to think like you're old and you're frail. You have to sit down when you exercise. Don't lift up anything that's over 30 pounds. Don't, don't reach overhead. You know, don't do anything powerful. You have to have a spotter at all times. Like there's all these. So we got to break some of those down with people in the beginning and let them know, like, you're not a fossil. Like we don't have to be that careful with you. We can, I just got to pick the right stuff. And then once they start to experience and they start to see, even in like two or three sessions, they can start to, to not, not see a difference, but feel a difference. They're like, I'm, I'm thinking a little more clearly. I feel, I can feel my muscles. Like, and I'm like, well, that's soreness. That's good. You know? And they're like, I I can feel that I'm engaging and, and trying and they feel there's little rushes of energy. And I'm like, that's like the little lifters high you got. And they, they like that. And the next thing you know, you know, they start getting really into it. Hi, I'm Pete McCall. And welcome to this episode of the All About Fitness Podcast. I want to say a big thank you. Thank you for taking the time to tune in. I recognize that there are many podcasts out there and there's so many to choose from that the fact that you would take some time to listen to the All About Fitness Podcast really does mean a lot to me and I really value your time and you are in for a treat on this episode. That voice you heard in the beginning is Robert Linkle. Robert is a personal trainer, educator, and just an all-around phenomenal guy. And if you've been listening to the All About Fitness podcast for the last few episodes, you know that I've been covering the subject of aging and and how exercise can slow down the aging process. We heard Dr. Daniel Levitin, who wrote the book Successful Aging. We heard from Professor Norman Lazarus, who is a PhD and an MD, and who's 85 years old and still going strong. But Dr. Lazarus researches the effect of exercise on aging and how exercise can lead to healthy aging. You heard from Liz Halfpap and Fred DeVito, with special guest host Tricia Murphy Madden, about how a particular form of exercise, BAR, can help extend the lifespan. And really, the cool thing is, if you didn't hear the interview with Liz and Fred, I really invite you to go back. It was a previous episode, the one right before this one. If you haven't heard it yet, because Liz and Fred are in their 60s and still going strong. They teach exercise. They they exercise every day. What better example to try to live up to than two very active instructors in their 60s? Which brings us to this episode. And on this episode, I'm bringing you Robert Linkle. He has a master's degree in exercise science. He was a National Strength and Conditioning Association personal trainer of the year. As I mentioned before, he's been very involved in the education side of things. Robert's a little bit different in the fact that his focus as a personal trainer and as a strength coach is specifically on the older adult. Now, a lot of times we think of, well, older adults and exercise, we can't push them too hard. Oh gosh, we got to be careful with them. We can't have them train hard. Well, according to the evidence, nothing could be further from the truth. Seriously, nothing could be further from the truth. That's what Dr. Lazarus talks about in his research. He, he studies the older adults, specifically masters athletes, and finds that as long as, you're, as long as you do it in a proper way, there's nothing wrong with training with intensity. And Robert, that is Robert's focus. Robert has a program called Training the Older Adult. His studio was live, but he converted everything to online during the past year, and his studio is called Be Stronger. And Robert's approach with his older clients is to train them like athletes. That doesn't mean sitting in a chair, waving a balloon or a paper plate around. That means getting them to push, pull, lift, carry, throw when it's appropriate. And that's what you're going to hear about today. You're going to hear Robert's own experience. Robert, <laughs> Robert's relatively young and, and he's already had a few, uh, few of his own health challenges. And I don't mean to laugh at that. I just mean that he can, he can relate to his clients in a way that many other coaches can't. Robert's had three hip replacements. And if you think about that for a moment, we only have two hips and you'll hear why and what happened and how Robert ended up with three. And this is a fascinating discussion today. It really gets to the point of the benefits of strength training and specifically high intensity exercise as we age. Because Robert's, you have people that conduct research. Research in the lab will tell you what happens over a specific set of time. Robert is very methodical in his approach to exercise. So what you're going to hear today is his practical experience. How does strength training improve the quality of life as we get older? 
And that's really what I want you to listen to today. And if you're looking for a few ways that you can use exercise to enhance your quality of life, no matter how old you are, I have resources for you. The first resource is my book, Smarter Workouts, The Science of Exercise Made Simple. At Smarter Workouts, I teach you how to design workout programs for strength, metabolic conditioning, and mobility. And if you want to try it before you buy it, you can go to my website, PeteMcCallFitness.com. Go to PeteMcCallFitness.com, sign up for my mailing list, and I will send you a chapter from Smarter Workouts along with a workout. That way you can do a sample before you buy it. There will be links down below in the show notes for both Smarter Workouts and to my website. Another resource I have for you is Exercise Program Design for the Fountain of Youth. It's an online course. It includes the ebook Exercise for the Fountain of Youth. And in the course, you'll learn the science of how exercise can slow down the aging process. So if you enjoy what you hear today with the discussion that I have with Robert and you want to learn more about that, check down below in the show notes for Exercise Program Design for the Fountain of Youth. It's a course where you'll learn how to do strength training programs, endurance programs, mobility programs that could help slow down the effects of the aging process. Now, if you're a fitness professional, a personal trainer, or group fitness instructor, you can earn continuing education credits by taking exercise program design for the Fountain of Youth. It's only $49. You'll, you'll earn three credits for ACE and four credits for both NASM and AFA. Check it out down below. And finally, if you want to learn a little bit more about exercise program design for any age, functional core training. Functional core training is an ebook I have available. Again, down below in the show notes, it goes through six stages of exercise program design based on the science and the research of Dr. Stuart McGill. I have a lot of resources for you, and all of it can help you learn how to use exercise to not only enhance your quality of life, but to slow down the effects of the aging process. Just a little reminder, if you want to see this interview, along with a number of the interviews that have recently happened to you all about fitness podcasts, go to the All About Fitness Podcast. That's All About Fitness Podcast channel on YouTube. I'm trying to record as many interviews as possible, so not only can you hear us talk about how fitness can enhance your quality of life, but you can see the interviews as they happen. Now let's hear how strength training can help older adults find their fountain of youth with Robert Linkle, founder of Training the Older Adult and the Be Stronger online training community. Today on the All About Fitness podcast, coming live from his bunker in Northern California, is Robert Linkle. <laughs> Robert, how are you doing today, bud? And, and I want to say man. thank you for taking the time to join me. How are you doing, man? I'm great, brother. Thank you for having me. Happy to be here. Now, Robert has a business, and I love the name of your business because there's, there's, no, there's no smoke and mirrors. <laughs> the business says what it does. It's called Training the Older Adult. Talk a little bit about, because you had a studio, and what have you done the last year? How have you shifted... Your, your conditioning business and your training business in the last year in response to everything that's going on. Yeah, we, so just to keep it all as short as I can, it's, it's a whole, you know, year long process of us being very successful and having a great operating business where we had, you know, eight to 10 people in all of our clients were, you know, average age 68. So uh, the youngest we had was probably 50. Um, and we had about 120 clients that were coming in. And we would train, you know, every hour, six or eight people, full strength and conditioning, racks, kettlebells. Like we, we train people for function. And uh, as COVID came about and the shutdowns were in California, so we were hit hard. Still, we are still shut down uh, at this point with very, um, I'm allowed to train either one person at a time or same households. Uh, that's it right now. So through that whole process, we eventually got to a point where we just couldn't, you know, hang financially. And we had to close uh, the big gym. And uh, decided to, to take our remaining funds, invest it 100% here uh, in, in our home gym. And uh, it is now a fully functional training studio and uh, broadcasting studio in which we uh, do our education. We do our online training uh, all from here. So I have uh, 45 online training clients um, that work with me daily. And then uh, I, I coach and teach with other trainers as well. And then I have 10 clients that come in studio here and train with me as well. So... The, the commute's way smaller. It's uh, about it's about 10 seconds now as opposed to, to half an hour, but um, I love it. It's been a great transition for us uh, as you and I were speaking off, off air a little bit, um, a bit of a blessing in disguise and, and some changes here. So uh, it's been good. 
Well, and I think that's one of the things that, that we have to do in, in light of everything that's happened this last year is we can't sit there and go, oh, what was me? This has happened. This has happened. It's like, okay, what, what opportunities does it create? How, do, how can we do something new and do so, and shift into something? And, and I think one of the things that fitness professionals have done, Robert, is we've all had to figure out how to do broadcast studios from our home. I don't For think sure. anybody, any one of us started 2020 <laughs> going, hey, we need no lights, we need no sound, and we need to put it all together. So, yeah. I mean, I think that just shows how resilient we are. Now, what I want to ask you about specifically is your approach. You said your, average, your youngest client is 50, mm-hmm. and you work with people primarily in their 60s. Yet you do a very unique approach. Because I think a lot of people, when they hear older adult and exercise, they go, oh, well, we can't do anything. We can't hurt them. We can't do anything hard. But how do you approach your whole business is called training the older adult. How do you approach training the older client? The, um, you guys have heard of LTAD, long-term athletic development. So yeah. our focus is LTFD, long-term functional development. Where we we basically yeah we try to look at um, the functional movement patterns for life. So our ADLs is actually the name of one of our groups that we have an ADL group, a style of training, and an ADL plus. And the ADLs we're working on you know getting up and down off the floor, being able to ascend and, and descend stairs, to be able to push and pull from overhead and horizontally, uh, be able to, to to properly pick up weight and transfer it. And so it's it's daily life function. Um, it's beyond machines, not nothing wrong with machines, but once you get to a point where you're like, I got to be able to advance and have this strength and this coordination and this, um, stability all kind of come together at some point and apply to an outside force. That's not stuck right in a rail or on a pivot. I've got to be able to transfer that. Well, that's life. You're picking up groceries and grandkids and walking dogs and doing everything else we do. We got to train for that. So instead of looking at it in terms of, you know, pushes and pulls and presses and leg day and, you know, upper body day and all that. We just look at every day as let's, let's train our clients for function. And that can include body weight mechanics, um, in an extent, but we really know we have to have load. We have to have load for the older pops. Sarcopenia is an issue. You know, we, we have osteoporosis, we have arthritis, we have arthritic grace periods. Like we have all of these things that are kind of weighing down on us that we have to um, we have to battle against and load is kind of resistance is kind of the, the fixer of all of that. So how do we apply resistance to some people that are really injured that have physical limitations? We have to kind of rig and like manipulate things a little bit to, to make it fit, to make it work for these individuals, knowing that they've got these limitations, injuries, or just weaknesses. They can't do it yet. So we'll use bands. We'll use pivot points, landmines. I'll use you know, kettlebells and, and, and combinations of all of them to create some variation of resistance that they can eventually progress and build into daily life functional strength. And see, what I love about that, Robert, is, is like I said, so many people, when they think of, they think of older adult and exercise, they think of like, okay, we got to take it easy. We, we can't force down. them. We can't stress them. But in your experience, how do they respond? When you, when you tell somebody that comes in in their 60s, hey, you're going to be doing this type of strength training. You're going to be doing moving this type of load. You're going to be generating this type of force. Number one, how do they respond? And number two, what's their physical adaptation like? Talk a little bit about some of the success stories that you've seen from that. Well, we'll have anywhere from, are you sure I'm supposed to be doing this? And, you know, and I'm like, it's a squat. You, you pick up your shoes. That's a squat. Like, yeah, it's okay to do this. But we've been conditioned in a way, uh, a little bit in our society to think like you're old and you're frail. You have to sit down when you exercise. Don't lift up anything that's over 30 pounds. Don't, don't reach overhead. You know, don't do anything powerful. You have to have a spotter at all times. Like there's all these. So we got to break some of those down with people in the beginning and let them know, like, you're not a fossil. Like, we don't have to be that careful with you. We can. I just got to pick the right stuff. And then once they start to experience and they start to see, even in like two or three sessions, they can start to to not not see a difference, but feel a difference. They're like, I'm, I'm thinking a little more clearly. I feel, I can feel my muscles. Like, and I'm like, well, that's soreness. That's good, you know? And they're like, I, I can feel that I'm engaging and, and trying and they feel these little rushes of energy. And I'm like, that's like the little lifters high you got. And they... They like that. And the next thing you know, you know, they start getting really into it. Then they then they get to a point where they're they're mad if they if they miss it. 
or if I go on vacation, right? And they're like, <laughs> they're like, this you're screwing my program, right? Like they start getting mad about it. And so that's where the online comes in great because I can pre-record stuff for them. But we get to points where clients that were supposed to have knee surgeries have now, you know, passed a decade where they were supposed to do it. You know, my one client, Linda, I talk about her all the time. She was supposed to have knee replacements in 2009. And we started some of our, one of our approaches called the Timberman approach. That's just heavy posterior emphasis, tons of hinging and bridging and just less knee flexing. And, um, she's built just phenomenal strength and reduced her pain and increased her abilities. And she can garden, she can do all the stuff she wants to do, but still putting off those knee replacements, you know? And, and then we've had other clients that, you know, were, were pre-replacement, just wanting to get strong that have rehabbed so much quicker after their surgeries because they, they did one surge, you know, they did one hip or one knee before and it took them a year. Well, now it takes them two months to kind of get back. Like it's a, it's a, I hate the word prehab, but it kind of is a prehab have approach. Like let's get you as strong as we can before this. So you rehab back better on the other side. And when we talk strategy like that with our clients, um, especially if they've been here training for a little bit, they really buy into that. And they're like, I get it. When I get to tell and share my experience a little bit, I've had three hip replacements and back surgery and I'm 40 years old. I've had a lung taken out. I've had my thyroid taken out. I've, I've had carpal tunnel surgeries in both hands. Like I've had a lot of, and I tell you guys all this, so you understand my personal um, experience and reference back to these is that you know, I, I kind of jokingly have like the body of a 70 or eight year old, but, but I've had that experience to be empathetic with, with people and let them know, I know where you're coming from. I know that this is going to be uncomfortable, but Wait, trust me on the other side of this, if I can know, back gonna, up for a second, work out. if I can sure, back sure. up for a second, Robert, you said three hip replacements. Yeah, three hip replacements. I, I'm, I'm kind of going through anatomy. I'm going through my, I'm trying to remember my anatomy and physiology. I thought we only had two hips. Yeah. So I, I, I did my, I did my right hip in April. It rehabbed great. Did my left hip in August. Um, there was a, a false cup placement um, for my for the acetabular socket, and it was placed just like two millimeters or whatever off. Oof. And as I my second day after surgery, when I went to sit up and kind of engage my hip flexor, it just popped out the front, oh. and they knocked me out, plugged it back in, and I went to sit up to get out of the the bed where they just relocated it, and it popped out again. And so this happened like seven more times oh. and they finally said, this isn't, it's not something you're doing. Like it's a bad cut placement. So, uh, they had to knock me out and do a full revision and redo, redo that whole thing over again. So they both work great now. I am completely functional and in the best shape I've been in, in 10 years, 15 years. So, um, and but you, I you use, got, I use my own plan. Yeah. But you're <laughs> only, you said you're only 40 and yeah, 40. And- what 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 led you to have to have uh, bilateral or two hips, both hips replaced? You know, at such a young age. I uh, I went to school, high school, and was raised in Lake Tahoe. Didn't have a track coach. Didn't have a weight room coach. I threw the discus and the hammer, shot put. So my experience and knowledge to train myself came from reading the encyclopedia of bodybuilding and whatever else I could find. And I didn't have anyone to tell me that three days a week back squatting as heavy as you could was too much you know, throwing 50, 60 throws a day was too much. And I knew I wasn't as gifted as these other guys. So I just said, hey, I'm going to, I'm going to overtrain. I'm going to out train these guys. And, you know, in 15 years I did, uh, like 40 years worth of damage. Wow. And, Man, uh, yeah, tore my I, back and my hips pretty good. Well, and I think that's, I, I think it's important to kind of qualify that because that does, as you said, that does give you unique perspective into the population that, that you work with. And what was it about, Robert, what was it about working with older adults that you just, why did you decide to focus on that population as opposed to like a gen pop or just the, the average clientele? What was that light bulb that went off that said, hey, I want to focus on people in this age range? In um, 2008, when I had my back surgery, um, when, you, when you have sciatic pain so bad, I had a full rupture uh, of my L5S1. And it was so bad that I, um, I lost bl- bladder control, Oof. Okay. which with, with back injuries, you know, when that happens, you're, it's bad news. And, um, I was a 550 pound back squatter and I was warming up with 225 weight. I'd done a million times. And when I squatted down, I felt it rupture and blow apart in my back. Oof. And I, I was in a brand new weight room, so I didn't want to drop the weights. So I like forced myself out of the squat. I rack it. I was stuck on the ground for an hour until somebody found me and 
Um, for three days, I couldn't stand up straight. I couldn't lay down. I was just miserable. And so when I had that surgery and I came out of it, I could sit up straight. I could move about, but I could barely function. I could barely move around. My wife had to take care of me. She had to shower me. She had to bathe me. She had to, you know, toilet me, everything. She had to do it all. And, um, as I went through that process to be able to come back, uh, and eventually take care of myself again and then be really functional again, you really start to look at like, what am I, what are the training purposes and, and what am I doing this for to increase my vertical jump, to increase my bench by 10? Like, that's all great. I, I don't, I don't have a, a negative thing to say about that sports performance and everything is awesome. But when you take someone from not being able to, or being reliant on someone else to not, you know, that connection for me, like I just, there was an increase in quality of life there that wasn't there before. And I had something to do with that that really rang home with me from my experience with it again, multiple times then I didn't know at the time, but it would continue to happen, you know, with cancer the next year. And again, the next year and having to rely on her so many times, it just kept getting ingrained in me deeper and deeper is that I can help people, you know, get back from this or avoid it entirely. And, um, my heart was set from that moment on, you know, that's all I wanted to do. And, uh, you know, I was a strength coach and I had all these efforts put out there to go and work with the world of sports, but all my clients were older clients who were already kind of banged up. Like I had already been leading that way. Just mentally, I wasn't, I wasn't set there yet to say like, I'm ready to make the switch and just be, this is what I'm going to do. And, uh, after that surgery and I had, I had a client who had a spider break of her patella skiing, helping her re, you know, rehabilitate back from that. And then win another master's championships after that, that really kind of got me, you know, hooked a hundred percent. Well, what I like about that, Robert though, and it's kind of what, where I went when I was personal training full time is that you took, you're taking strength and conditioning principles, stuff that we know that works stuff that, you know, research doesn't prove anything. We know that we can sit there. Research says this may work if you apply these variables, but you're taking stuff that that's been pretty much shown to work consistently and rather than apply it to an athletic population, you're applying it to a population that people might not normally think of. Now, when you look at people in their 50s and 60s, can they still gain muscle mass? And, and do they are they able to get stronger? How does the body change? How does aging affects, affect yeah. the body's ability to respond to strength training you know, as we get a little bit older? It, it absolutely is possible, and, and, it, and it happens all the time. It just takes longer. It's just a longer process. Um, more time for recovery, more appropriate programming, uh, more, um, I, I, I don't like to look at it in terms of like wasted reps. Not that, not that every rep doesn't get you some benefit, but it's like, I'm going to get you for three workouts a week. I've got to do the, my, the best bang for your buck right now. I don't want to have any wasted reps, right? So I don't want to just have volume for no reason. I want everything to have a why and a specific reason. And I need to have 48 hours in between those training sessions so I know you have enough time to recover from that. So we train full body. We train enough of each, you know, muscle group or movement action in daily life pattern kind of functions. We do enough each day to get them stressed, to get the body to respond, but not so much where they're wrecked and they have to have, you know, they have DOMS, they have any of this where it's just so bad they can't train again in 48 hours. So we're just constantly taking little baby steps up where with athletes or with younger folks, you might have these really stressful high peaks and then give them recovery periods, right? To be able to, to take them back up again and have these undulations. With the older pops, we kind of have like recovery weeks and recoveries built in when they go on vacation or when they go on a short trip. We have recovery periods already there. So I'm always just kind of like just gradually just inching it up a little bit, a little bit. And they're always just, you know, just gradually gaining strength holidays come around there's breaks there you know their vacations their weekends they get to take away that kind of stuff we we they have plenty of time to recover i don't need to build that in you know in my macro cycles or any of that kind of stuff i just continue to to you know gently stress and push them as we go but again every one of those sessions there's a, a particular why and a reason to what we're doing and it's got something very specific to apply back to their limitation their area of weakness a surgery they have come in, a purpose they have, a, a training outcome they have coming. There's no wasted reps. Everything is is uh, purposeful. And I love that concept. No wasted rep. And why is it important? Because I think a lot of times, you know, we have 
one of the things I try to get people to think of is we don't want to be in this mindset of no pain, no gain, because pain is a signal that something's gone wrong. If, if we look at pain, pain is, is a message from our body saying, hey, stop that, I'm done. But we do want discomfort. How important is it to apply overload to create discomfort? And, and when you're working with somebody for the first time, how do you describe that to them? Because you, you, you want to get them to the point of like, no, I don't want this to hurt you. But I do want you to be a little bit uncomfortable, right? I mean, sure. I think you know what I'm asking here because we're trying Absolutely. to coach people. Is, is our job, Robert, as, as a coach, as a trainer, is we're trying to help our clients be comfortable being uncomfortable because it's that discomfort that causes growth. How do you work with somebody to get them used to that level of discomfort when they might come in saying, no, I don't want to, I don't want to be, I don't, I'm trying to get out of pain. Yeah, that's, that's a very good question. And, and there's, so there's a couple ways to look at it. Number one, like we have a saying, no pain, no gain, no brain. And that's kind of the aspect. It's like, I don't want you to push to a point where you're like, my knee's killing me, but you said do 30. And so I'm like, okay, you've got to experience this where it's going to be challenging. Um, it's going to be uncomfortable in the sense that, that it's burned, it's challenging, it's making you breathe heavy, but is it doing damage to you, right? Is it hurting you? Is it piercing? Is it throbbing pain? Can you not continue? That kind of mindset, we have to go through in the very beginning and, and teach that. And they're like, yeah, my pain, my knee hurts right here when I'm doing this, right at this point, halfway through the step down. And I'm like, okay, that's pain, right? But if they're just like, my thighs are burning and I can't put my jeans on, I'm like, well, that's fine, right? Like that's <laughs> that's good, right? You're that's what swollen. you're paying me for. Yeah, yeah. So you're you're 100 right. It's like teaching them where the line of discomfort is, and then let's just stay there. You know, we we also have another saying that's it's suffer good. And I want you to, to find the point where you're pushing and you, you are suffering, but it's a good suffer. It's like, I'm enjoying how uncomfortable this is because I know change is going to occur from it, right? But if we have negative returns, and, and unfortunately, sometimes you don't know where that line is. And so people come back and they're like, I'm so sore, I can't fully extend my arms. And you're like, okay, we overdid it. Maybe we only did three sets of 10, but you're so untrained that that, that, you know, that, that taxed you. Now I know I got to back things off a little bit that it was too much. And, and so with the baby step approach with brand new clients, untrained or trained, we always start, you know, real, real minimal and just gradually build in unless they're at the point of like, are you going to push me or what? You know what I mean? Like when they start asking for a little more, okay, I can ramp it up. Um, but that's important, especially for this population. It's more important uh, for them. We have more at risk because if we do have something go wrong, there is an injury we're taking steps back that could be months or a year where with someone younger, it might be a couple of weeks. You know what I mean? They can just recover better. Yeah. You said something earlier and I, and I know what you're, I know what you're talking about, but I want you to kind of walk through this process sure. for listeners a little bit. You talked about periodizing and undulating the workouts mm -hmm. and number one, kind of what is periodization and why is that so important for an exercise program? If you, if you look at a, a stress chart of macro cycle, you're looking at, reps, sets, load, tempo, volumes, overall of, you know, each, each lift, we're going to do three tens and the next day it's three twelves and the next day it's three fourteens and your weights are getting heavier. You're stressing that body greater and greater and greater with each one. At some point, something's going to give you're, you're not going to make an improvement or your body's going to get injured. So you have to be able to stress, climb up the mountain, you know, get to the top. We stressed really hard. Now let's come back down and let's recover a little bit. And then the next peak comes up we stress it and we cover and we stress and recover. And ideally you get to a point where each peak gets a little higher. And when you stress, we, we rebuild, we build, you know, new binding sites, the muscles get stronger. You give me some time to recover and then we go back up again. So you might see progressive load or, or linear programming. That's, you know, 60 reps per lift overall in one week and then 80 the next and then hundred the next. And then you, then you cut back down to 40, something like that something that would give a period of time to allow the body to recover. Not where they have to stop training. It's just, we're going to deload. We're going to let the body relax a little bit and then we'll come back and attack it again. Very, very same approach with older adults, but instead of attacking like one particular lift or one um, specific aspect, I want to get your back squat strong, your back squat stronger, your bench press stronger. We're looking at their body as an overall. Can they, can they perform everything every day? I need you to push and pull and press and squat and twist and hinge and row I need, and to carry. I need you to do all that stuff every day. And if I can just stress that a little bit in the next week, a little bit more in the next week, a little bit more. And then the following week, we still train. We'll just deload it a little bit. 
and we'll do an all body weight workout or we'll do some non-traditional lifts, right? Where they're pulling ropes and they're throwing sandballs and they're, you know, swinging Indian clubs, like what, whatever it is that's not, that's outside the norm of our regular, you know, heavy strength hypertrophy based lifts. And that's a recovery component. And then we're ready to climb it up again. So you want to have those undulations, those periods in your programming with high level athletes. It might be eight or 12 weeks before you have a recovery with older pops, three, four weeks of pretty strenuous work. They're pretty much ready for a week to kind of taper things down a little bit and then we can rebuild it up. Like I said, Robert, what I like about that is you are, you're taking what we know works with athletes because that is the way the top athletes train. And when you, when you tell that to your clients, I'm going to ask you two questions here. How do your clients respond? Do they like being trained like their athletes? And how important is that unloading or that deloading, that active recovery phase? Very important. Um, when, during our consultation, the first time I meet with them, um, I, I'll, I'll say something along the lines of, I don't need you to be an athlete. I need you to be athletically minded. And, and what I mean by that is, is like, I want you to, to train. I don't want you to lift weights. You know, I want them to have that mindset of like, this is my time. This is time for me to improve my abilities and improve. And, and if it's just an hour every day to just focus on me getting better, right? I can stop worrying about everybody else and just let's invest in this. So that's, that's a big piece for us mentally to kind of get in their set of like, you are an athlete or athletically minded. We're going to train hard. But as a part of that, you got to have periods of time where things are, are allowed to come down and recover. Though we're not going to take a week off when I get to deload weeks or even an unload week where we t- truly do just do, I'll take them through dynamic mobilities and we'll stretch and do different floor-based activities and groundwork and stuff like that. And we won't even touch any weights. But usually during a deload week, they're like, oh, sweet, deload. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. it's deload. <laughs> I didn't mean easy. I yeah, just yeah. meant deload. And so now when they hear that, they're like, oh, shit, like they they know it's going to be probably even harder than what they normally do because we're going to condition or we're going to, you know, we're going to address more core strength. We're going to work on some just some stuff that's outside, you know, their traditional kind of movement patterns where they have gotten really strong. And and so those deload weeks um, almost become like challenge weeks for them. But I know physically for the body. The tendons are getting recovery. The, you know, the joints are getting recovery. Like they're not getting stress as much when I'm putting hundreds or thousands of pounds on them through the week, right? As we go, I'm not saying we're power lifting, but a, accumulation of all the lifts, they can move five, six, 7,000 pounds throughout the week. You know, even if they're only the only heaviest thing they're picking up is 30 pounds. Uh, we just volume that, you know, and build that in there. And just like a strength coach at a, a D1 or for a pro team, I look at our total volumes each week and what we're putting in my recovery periods, our times, like we look at that athletic approach and say, this works for any type of performance. Their performance just happens to be gardening and grocery stores and playing outside and like going for hikes and doing that kind of stuff. It's performance for life. It's not performance for sport, but that that, that component works so well. I just want to cut in there real quick because I've had this argument for years, Robert, of where if I'm working with somebody in her fifties or sixties and her favorite activity is gardening, and she's doing that for three or four hours on a Saturday, especially during planting season, which is coming up here on the West Coast. Yeah, in April. Yep. Yeah, especially when they're, when they're cleaning up in the fall. And, you know, I look at that as, as a 50-something-year-old, 60-something-year-old woman, that she's putting the same amount of stress as her, in her body as a 21-year-old D1 lineman. You know, it's just, it's a different, you know, it's different force factors, right? If she's 60-something and she's digging in the ground, you know, that's not exactly the same as a 21-year-old guy, but comparing the two, I think, personally, I think they're similar. I mean, it's that same mindset and that same approach. And how do your clients respond to that? I mean, when you kind of lay out your methodology, because I'm sure when they come sit down with you for the first time, they're they're thinking very much like the old kind of the traditional, I'm going to do biceps one day and I'm going to do hamstrings the next, whatever. They're, they're thinking traditional. Yeah. When you kind of give somebody your little pitch about how you train them, What's their initial response? Well, the best part's when they walk in and they go, where, where, where are all the machines? Where are the chairs? And I'm like, this, this is it. And I had one lady that like backed away. Mm-mm. She starts shaking her head, starts backing away. And I was like, well, before you leave, you just, you told me on the phone, you're retiring. What are you retiring from? And she's like, oh, I was a, I was a farmer. And I said, did you do a lot of sitting down when you were farming? And she's like, no, no, I was constantly carrying and moving stuff. And I'm like, so 
I would, it would be, I would do you an injustice to bring you in here and sit you down now. Like you'll wither away and die. You've been out in the fields and slinging this and carrying that. And I mean, your whole life has been physical. Now is the time where you don't have to stress your body that much, but the function is still there. We don't need to sit down and do, and that's, that's part of, you know, breaking down that, that mindset. She's like, I'm 65, I'm retired. I'm supposed to sit down with little pink weights and I'm supposed <laughs> to have a little thing around my knees and I'm so, you know, if, if you need that to get this started, I get it. But that transition, like it eventually has to lead you to a point where this strength will replicate a life action. If we want to continue to improve our function for life, that's the whole idea. Long-term functional development. I need you up and able and capable forever until you die. Right. And that should be at any age, any strength. And we kind of go through that. They're like, all right, you're making sense. I should be able to pick up things and not throw my back out. I should be able to put my, you know, my suitcase in the overhead. I should be able to carry my own stuff and my own groceries. I'm like, I don't want you to be that old lady that has to have the guy that wheel her cart out to the car. And you're like, no, I got it. And sling it on your shoulder and carry your own shit. You know, like, that's what I want. I want, I want you to be that independent because I've been the guy that needed other people to do that. I don't want you to have that. Once we get through that, what is that? A three minute talk? They're, they're usually on board. Yeah, the way I've always the way I've always told people is I've always I've told clients, especially female clients, I want you to be able to pack two bags and go anywhere in the world, mm-hmm. like on a moment's notice. I want you to be able to have that roll on and that thing that you can put your bag in the overhead bin. You don't need to wait for the flight attendant. You don't need to ask for some young guy to help you, but you can shoulder it up because I personally, with as much as I used to travel, I haven't traveled that much in the last year. Yeah. As much as I and used to travel, I was I was looking. It's like if you can't if you can't lift it, don't pack it. If you can't carry it. You don't pack it because pack you can't it. rely on other people to, to do it for you. Now, let, let me kind of come back to you. You've mentioned LTAD mm-hmm. and, and LTFD. Talk a little bit about what long-term athletic development is because I think a lot of people that listen to this are fitness enthusiasts. They, yep. they enjoy going to the gym. They, they, they maybe read some bodybuilding magazines or some health and fitness magazines. They may not be as ensconced into S&C strength and conditioning vernacular that you and I are. So give an example of what long-term athletic development is and then how you've kind of evolved that into your LTFD. LTAD, long-term athletic development, is a uh, developmental strategy for the youth athlete, typically starting around five, I think most textbooks look at, and taking them through 28 to, unless you're Tom Brady, 43, somewhere <laughs> around in there, wherever your, your competitive collegiate professional career ends. And then after that, there's nothing. Uh, Rick Howard's a very good friend of mine. He's probably the most LTAD educated and spokesperson-esque you could find in our industry. And he has a saying that talks about long-term athletic development, meaning cradle to grave. And he's like, we're missing the Robert part. We're missing this other end. And so he and I do a talk where LTAD meet around 35 to 50 and it turns into functional development then where we're no longer looking at the outcome of their performance based on scholarship, financial return, you know, seasons, any of this. And it just kind of transfers into, I still want to be able to do those actions and everything that they are just not at the high risk and the high stake of peak performance. Now it's just, let's apply it to life, but don't stop training, right? There shouldn't be this switch that's like, athlete, now you're old and sit down. And unfortunately, that's what our society says. So we're looking at it as like, let's just keep this ship rolling. But maybe instead of your power training being box jumps and, and, you know, plyo med balls and all this other kind of stuff where you're bouncing and, you know, the impact's coming back through your body. Why don't we transition to medicine ball throws and, and single arm snatches and like, things that I can do with a 16, 70, 80 year old pivot point presses, like just different things that they can be explosive on, but they get to transfer their energy into the implement rather than into themselves. We still get power training. Let's work on rack pulls from knee height rather than deadlifts from the floor. Let's look at uh, landmine pressing to overhead rather than barbell pressing bilateral to overhead. Like it's just shifting the, the gears a little bit to accommodate the aging process to not have as much you know, damage done back on the body, to allow for better recovery periods, but to keep the performance ability there. It's just, it's for life now. It's for function instead of performance. 
And see, I think that's such an important concept, dude, because I joke about this quite a bit is I look at, I've never been a fast guy. I'm a short, stocky, white guy. I played, I played in the front row of a rugby scrum. I've never been fast. But in my mindset, two things I train for. One, I train to be able to play in a rugby tournament. I want to be able to have the fitness that if I get an opportunity to go play old boys rugby, now 45 and over, I could do it with just a little bit of condition. I don't need to... I just got to push myself a little bit and I can get into shape. I'm not that far out of shape nice. that I can get into shape. So one, number one, my mindset is I always want to be able to step on a rugby pitch and be able to hold my own for, for 20 to 40 minutes. And tournament games are 20-minute halves or tournament matches are 20-minute halves. So that's, that's kind of part of my mindset. And the second part, Robert, is I want to be able to do – I want to be able to compete in the Senior Olympics when I'm in my 70s for sprinting. And yeah. I've never been a fast guy before. I've never, That'd ever, be cool. ever been fast. But I figure if I can maintain where I am now over the next 22 years, I'll be, I'll be 70 and 20 and 21 years, 22 years. I'm like, if I can maintain that for the next 22 years, that's my LTAD goal. And I kind of say that half jokingly, but half seriously, because knowing what we know about strength and conditioning, yeah. I'm not out of here trying to get beach muscle, beach body or whatever. I'm taking that mindset about performance mindset and saying, okay, what can I do? What do I want to be able to do? And, and how do I carry that forward? Why is that such – when people make that gear switch – and, and I'm talking about your clients now. When mm-hmm. you see your clients make that shift from, I'm not working out for today, I'm working out for the next set. How does that, how does that change? How do you see that change in their personality and their approach towards their, their life in general? Before I answer that, can we talk about the senior games real quick? Yeah, yeah. If you guys haven't got a chance to like see them or to just watch, just YouTube it and enjoy. But the first video that pops up are these two guys that ran the 100. One is 98, one is 96, and they, the one is the world record holder. The other one was the world record holder, and it's, this is the showdown, right? And the entire, this was just two years ago, and the entire stadium, this is in Albuquerque, I think, and the whole place is holding their breath, and it's, it's like three people. The one guy smoked right out of the gate. He doesn't even have a chance. And the other two are booking it down this thing, and I think he wins in like 28 seconds, like a really fast Olympic time is nine seconds. So yeah, yeah, nine yeah. or 10. So 28 seconds, the other guys at like 29 seconds and you can hear the whole play place goes ape shit when they run number one, but you can hear them all like, please don't fall. Like you can <laughs> see these guys run into top speed, but if, if one could, have, the other guy could have won if he would have leaned, but he was so worried about falling, right. That he didn't lean. but to see the competitive drive and that nature, like that doesn't go away. It no. doesn't go away with being older. And that's why I wanted to talk about it first is like, when you talk about athletic drive or performance or ability, like everybody has this ingrained, like I want to get better at this, no matter what it is, if it's your own competitive nature or if it's against the other people in your workout or if it's at a, a championship event, like we, we have that, almost everybody has that built in. Like some people don't care, I get it, but they look at the idea of like, let's, let's train for my ability. What, what is the best that I could do right now or in five years or in 10 years? And there's, um, I want to take advantage of that. I want to maximize that. And when you, when you take somebody that doesn't think they can and they do like that, you see this moment where they're just like, there was no way my mother-in-law trains with me and, uh, I have a 12 kilo kettlebell and, uh, maybe a month ago she tried to do a pullover with it and she had to let go of it. She couldn't even do one. And she did three sets of 14 with it today. And I'm like, wow, do you see this? Like what happened here? How? how far you have come okay, to be able to do that in a month. You just crushed this. And her confidence, she stood up taller. Like she's like, you're right. I, you know, and I took videos of people from before to after what they could do. You could barely pick up this white kettlebell that's nine pounds. Now you're picking up a 35 pounder and that you forget. It's kind of like getting a haircut, right? Like you just one day you're like, you're right. I do need a haircut. You don't see it day after day after day, all the growth. You got to be reminded, where were we? Where are we now? Like, let's take advantage of that nature to want to improve. Maybe they don't even know they have it yet. But once they see a change, here's where you were, here's where you are now. Now they're like, what if I really got into this? What if I really focused? How much body fat could I lose? How much stronger could I get? I feel so much better now. Where could it be if I took this to the next level? And people really get into it. Like they get engrossed into it. To the point where I've got 40 people all working on home gyms. Like they don't want to go back to the gym. They want to keep doing this, but they want more gear. 
I spend more time looking up equipment and sending them reminders of when Rogue has bands available and when the ski erg is on sale for $200 less. Like I'm, I'm like an equipment broker now for <laughs> most of my clients, like trying to get their home gym set up and people really get into it, but they need a leader. They need somebody that can kind of point the way and show them what they do. And you know, that's us. What we do is an art form. And I, I like the way you say that because, and that, that's one of the reasons, I mean, you know, that, that's one of the reasons why I do this podcast is I mm -hmm. want people out there to, to shift that mindset from thinking about, well, I'm going to go work out today because, or they, they think about this, like this aesthetic mindset, right? Of, you know, I want to lose five pounds. I want to get this cut. And it's like, dude, no, especially once you get over the age of 40, it doesn't, you know, that stuff doesn't matter nearly as much as being able to put my kid over my shoulder and, and give her a, you know, my, my daughter will always ask for, for piggyback rides. And I give her a choice, either piggyback or sack of potatoes and sack of potatoes being over the shoulder. Well, I can take them back and piggyback up and down the stairs. I can do or sack of potatoes up and down the stairs. To me, that's why I train. I train to be able to do that. So as my daughters get older, I can keep up with them. And I can, I can, I mean, I'm sure you're the same way. I think 100%. your kids are just a little bit younger than mine, yeah. but that, that really is that, that's why I want to keep, get people switching their mindset of like, Hey, you know, we can train for how we look. It, it, that's cool and all, but as we get a little bit older, we want to train to enhance our function. So you mentioned a little sure. bit about a couple 100%. pieces of equipment. What are some of your favorite pieces since you've helped so many people yeah. Kind of set up home gyms for somebody listening that says, "Yeah, I like this, man. I want to get a little bit more into this." What What are some good pieces of equipment that you would recommend for setting up a home workout facility? Our Our starter kit is a door anchor and four bands, resistant bands. These are the forty one inch, you know, first place or the Rogue Echo bands. And the most important thing that we do we need to do as we age is pull. We everything happens in front of us. We're, we're we're getting up and down out of a chair and we're pushing and working on things in front of us. We walk forward. Everything's very sagittal. We don't do a whole lot of stuff backwards behind us, uh, pulling, reaching overhead in our day to day. So if we have something to anchor that we can pull from different heights, high, medium, low, all kinds of different tensions, that's a great one. We got to have something to sit down to and stand up from something that we can step up and down on is, is, is great. Uh, they make all these little utility boxes where it's, you know, 10 inches this way and 16 inches this way and 20 inches, you know, and you can flip the box a bit to do different stuff. Um, some kind of external loads. I, I love, I personally love fat bells. It's basically a, a hex bar for your hand. It's like a, if you hollowed out a kettlebell and put your hand inside it, it goes all the way around your hand. Huge, huge, huge improvements for myself and my clients, arthritic issues, wrist issues, carpal tunnel. Um, if you think about, you know, holding a dumbbell, your weights on each side, and we deviate everything here. So we have lateral stability really good on the hands, but nothing front and back where we do the majority of our workout. So kind of the same idea of the hex bar. It's like, let's not have a counterpoint to it. Let's just put us right in the middle of the weight. Let's just put the weight right in the middle of our hands. So most of my weights are, are fat bells. I have one little set of dumbbells right there. And all those guys are all fat bells. Those are all fat bells on the floor. And then I got a set of kettlebells. We, I try to get my clients to get at least two sets of those. So if we have bands, something we can sit down to, something I can step up on, and some weights I can move around, we're golden. I, I literally have hundreds, if not a thousand different workouts that I can put together. I've never repeated the same workout in 25 years. We'll repeat certain exercises, but not with the same one before, the same angle, the same height, the same recovery, the same tension, you know, the same rotation, the same anti-rotation, the contralateral, the ipsilateral. You can change so much to always make a lift just a little different, a little more challenging. And that, that little kit right there gives me some great variety. If I have a training environment that's greater and bigger space, I like Swiss bars. I think that neutral grip for the bench press if we're going to bench is a much greater position for the elbow, the wrist, the shoulder uh, than pronated. Um, I like hex bars. I really prefer to do rack pulls than deadlifts off the floor with most of my clients. Not that we don't train off the ground, but I'll use kettlebells for that so they can be around and above the weight rather than trying to manipulate something outside their hips. So if I can pull from like hip height and go up, well, I'll do a hex bar. If I'm pulling from the floor, I'll do a little bit wider of a stance, more of like a sumo stance for our clients pull weights from between their knees, between their feet. Um, anything that's going overhead, if we have limitations, I'll use landmines or a pivot point, which is basically a, a strap hanging from the ceiling. If you, you can envision a landmine on the floor 
What if I bolted that landmine anchor to mm. the ceiling? That pivot action, right? I can do those with straps from the ceiling. And we can do those single arms, bilateral, you know, the Swiss bar or barbell. Um, I have a lot of those featured on my YouTube page. You guys can look on there or my social medias. And uh, those actions, you know, those get people very strong. It improves their limitations. It works with it, not around it. And those are a lot of the concerns that come up. I don't know what to do when I talk to other trainers. I don't know what to do. I'm afraid of hurting them and I don't know how to fix them. So let me teach you what to do. Let me teach you how to implement it and the right progressions to put it in. And a lot of times we got to manipulate the left to work with the limitation. They got a bum, bum shoulder. As long as there's not something structurally damaged and it's just muscular, we can work with that. But we got to find different ways to get that muscle strong, to get that action there. So if I can't get their arms over their head now with just their body weight, how am I ever going to get there with load? Well, we got to lean on something, right? We got to work leverage to get there. And I can train that path. Then I can start to load that path. And then eventually they'll have the strength to be able to do it on their own. And we do that with each joint, each muscle action as we go through. So that, that was a lot. That's a lot to ingest right there. But it, it shows you like you can get a lot done with a little bit of equipment and we can do even more if you have more stuff that you can you know kind of rig up and set up. But um, you can have such a huge impact on people and improve their abilities and their functions and prolong their quality of life for so much longer. It's so rewarding. And what you, I think you know, it- you've worked with older people. You know how great it can be. Uh, and you see yeah. them get stronger. And what I like about that, though, is it shows the amount of thought, Robert, that goes into that. It shows that – and and that's where, too, I think some people sometimes go into the gym like, oh, what am I going to do today? Well, I don't know. Maybe I'm going to do chest press and bicep curls again. And, and yeah. it just – it takes thought, right? I mean doing this, you have to have a mindful approach to to doing a workout. It's not just going in and throwing things around because in order for it to have the best results, there needs to be – some sort of mindset or specific approach. And you said something here that I don't know if you realize how powerful it was, but you said that you don't have people do the same workout twice, but I think you probably use a lot of the same patterns. Like oh, yeah. I know you don't you don't probably do you do exercises, but not in the traditional sense. Like you're not doing biceps curls or, or chest presses. You talk about that a little bit, but I know you probably think you talk about pulls, you talk about overhead presses. Why is it so important to think in terms of patterns and not just isolated muscle actions? We, you think about what we do on a daily basis. Um, research has shown us just from basic surveys and observing people during their hours of operation, 16 hours they observed, 75, 70-year-olds during their day. These were folks that lived in you know, communities that also lived in, 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 out on their own. And they were performing over 100 hinges throughout their 16 hours of wake. So we look at that and we're like, that's a lot from hinging to get their shoes to hinging to get their car, whatever it is, to to then they had over 10 loaded attempts of transferring weight, picking up something of significant weight, 10 pounds or more, I think was what they addressed, and then transferring that, carrying it somewhere. How many times they put their arms over their head? It was like once or twice an hour from something simple of combing their hair or to reach to get, you know, plates down from the cap, whatever it was. And, and so you start to look at those kinds of things. I need to be able to hinge. I should be able to pick stuff up off the ground. I should be able to access either pushing or pulling from overhead. I should be able to carry things a distance. I should be able to split my feet well beyond a regular gait pattern so I can go up and down steps or split stance down to a knee. And, and then we look at those and we're like, that pretty much covers everything, right? From more detailed of articulation of, you know, handling buttons and, you know, dexterities of phones, all that comes with increased strength and articulation and, you know, oxygenation exchange that fights off neuropathy. Like you have all this all comes from resistance training. So we address all the little, little tiny detailed things by really looking at the big movement patterns that are just more commonly uh, performed throughout their day. Hmm. If I can train for those functions, I, I will have an effect for them. Um, but if I only train those functions, I'm going to miss, I'm going to miss the agonists, you know, the opposites to those. So we do, you know, when we push, we want to pull, when we hinge, we want to squat, you know, we want to, I want to be able to look at those and build the body as, um, I want to seek muscular quality is another one of our, our t-shirt sayings is a lot of times with older pops, they're going to have a, a dominant leg and a dominant arm and a drastically weaker side. If I can help improve that and get it closer to level, may never get there, but I can try, I can improve their quality of life, right? 
So all those pursuits are like, it's all got to come back to the daily patterns. And I can train that in here. Now, will that come down to us doing a bicep curl burnout? Sure. Like, will we bench press? Sure. But it's not a pattern I have to do every day. What I have to do every day, I got a hinge, I got a row, I got to do something where my feet split. I got to do something where I pick up and carry weight and I got to do something overhead. If I can do those five things with every workout with my older adults, I'm doing them justice. We're making them better. And now I've got a billion, you know, different options of each one of those that I can now marry in every day. And I'll, I'll never repeat. You're constantly challenging the body with something new. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm just thinking the permutations of that, right? It was a, what's the old statistical thing, factorial, you know, it's like if you take the movement patterns plus loads, I mean, you got like a 12 or 15 factorial combination of patterns and hence there, there's nothing there. Now, the cool thing, Robert, is not only do you work, so you, you now do online coaching. You, you, you moved, you got rid of your physical location, except mm-hmm. you moved stuff to your house and you now have online coaching, but you're also doing education for fitness professionals, right? So what, what, like, what are the services that you offer? Because I know you offer coaching for clients online. You offer education for, 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 for professionals because you've gained such a body of knowledge. And you've always been an educator, kind of had that mindset. How are you putting this all together and how are you helping people with it? We, I had so many, especially young trainers or trainers that are already established but decided to start working with older pops coming to me and asking me the same questions. I don't know how, you know, I'm afraid of hurting them. I don't know what to progress to that. I I finally put together like a little three week series twice a week for an hour. We went through that with, with 20 people that signed up and they all said, this was fantastic. This was like a foundational piece to it. Um, How can I now tailor it to fit my environment? And so then we did another one. We called it the mentoring session and I went through and I'm like, your philosophy, your equipment, let me kind of mold it and like teach you the system to still fit the model, right? That we just taught you, but let's do it in your space. And they're like, that's great. We want to expand our knowledge on what exercises we can do with older people. Teach us how to do the pivot point, how to do the landmine, teach us how to manipulate all these bands and do what you're doing. So then we did a hands-on and I did that over a weekend. And once we did all three of those and we looked at that and we're like, this is a complete course. And that's what we called it, the TOA complete course. And so we have, we have the complete course comes out once a year and we teach it from the basics of like, I'm going to sit down and talk to my older adult client for the first time, collect data, assess, go through all their 12 weeks of training, pre and post tests, show them, and then repeat. We teach that whole thing, a ton of exercises. Then we have like a master's course that's, you know, advanced development. We get into physical limitations. I do one specific on the back and the hip. Like we have one of all those um, I have a power training court. I mean, we just, we look at all these, you know, the things that I could be um, maximizing my skill set with, right? As a trainer, let me learn the foundations. Let me take that to the next level. And then what areas might I be just missing a little bit more info where I could be a little sharper at? We offer all those. So they're all listed online um, at trainingtheolderadult.com. And we're in OTOA right now, which is our teaching how we do online training for the older adults. And uh, again, you guys can see it all there. There's a lot of great info on our, our YouTube page as well as Instagram. And I think I've got a hundred and something videos on, on YouTube that you can access on there too. So yeah, a lot of places to get access to information. And if you ever have any other questions about our services, always feel free to reach out. And for listeners, the reason why I wanted to bring Robert on is over the course of this year, if you look back at some of the recent episodes I've done. I, I, I talked to Brad Schoenfeld about hypertrophy and muscle growth. I, I you know, Stu McGill talked about, you know, core training and, and inside out. And I've recently spoken with Norman Lazarus, Dr. Lazarus and, and Dr. Levitin about successful aging. And the reason why I wanted you specifically, Robert, and why I appreciate your time so much is you're putting this into practical application. You know, it's one thing to be in a lab and, and to research it, but you're somebody that's taking this, synthesizing all that research and saying, okay, Yes is what the lab coats are studying. Yes is what I know they're doing in professional athletics. And you're bringing that together to take it to such an undeserved population. So there, there's, I, when I put together the, the programming for the podcast, I try to have a specific purpose. And so that's why I really appreciate your time because I wanted people to, to hear the application of all this because I know you read all that other stuff and oh, yeah. this is how you're applying it. I mean, right? That's basically what, what sure. it is that you do. 
you you just mentioned, I mean, two of the books sitting on my desk right here. I've got the Cosgroves book. I've got my Essentials of Strength and Conditioning for Older Adults. I've got my Stuart McGill Power Training with the lower back emphasis, Brad's uh, Hypertrophy Training. But I mean, my I look at all of that plus all the NSCA journals, ACSM journals. Like, I want to collect all of that. Sarcopenia is my obsession right now. I want to Obviously, we're not going to be able to end sarcopenia, but I think if you can educate people enough on the value of just, we have something called EOD20 every other day for 20 minutes. If you could just get people to do a little bit of resistance training every other day for 20 minutes, you can basically maintain their strength and their abilities of where they're at. Maybe not advance it, but just keep them functional. And, And so many negative returns come from sarcopenia, the loss of muscle and then function that's when you see people just drop drastically in their abilities to do anything. So my efforts are like, let's get as many trainers and many people out there armed with as much information as they can, statistical information, training information to overcome, to end sarcopenia or pursue this effort, right? Our circle, our loved ones, our parents don't exercise as much as we want. Our family members might not. My parents don't, right? I'm like, please like make this effort. Let me show you this info. Try, right? And the ones that we can connect, hopefully they get caught, they get that bug and they're like, I'm in, I want to do this. And it's, it's, there's such good research to show that just 20 minutes every other day can really do, you know, great things. But those are research articles I read from those individuals, you know, Stu McGill with the lower back has been such a huge influence on how we train Dan John and his, his patterns. He has four movement patterns. I have five. They're very, very similar to the way we come back. Anyway, I could go on forever on it, but I, I really appreciate you giving me a chance to, to talk and to, to reach out and, and, you know, share some information with your people and, and any, anybody that uh, I can help any further. I am more than happy to do that. And, uh, and Pete, thank you for everything that you do and putting this out. I love the podcast. I listen to them all the time and, uh, our industry needs you. So please keep going. I'm always happy to be on here anytime. All right. Big, big bro hug, big virtual bro hug from Southern California (laughs) to Northern California. There you go. Cool, man. Thanks for your time. Again, just a little reminder. If you want to see that interview along with a number of the other interviews that have happened all about fitness, go to YouTube and look for the all about fitness podcast channel. That's the All About Fitness podcast channel. Not only am I posting up these interviews, but I'm going to be putting a lot more information up there about how you can use exercise to enhance your quality of life. In addition, one of the things I'm I'm planning right now, I'm in the stages of of developing this or planning for it and budgeting for it, but I'm going to be putting up all the workouts from my book, Smarter Workouts. And hey, here's a little announcement. Now in pre-sale, it's being released this August, but now in pre-sale, my book, Ageless Intensity, will be out this summer. And in ageless intensity, you'll learn the effective workout solutions, high-intensity workout solutions that can slow down the effects of the aging process. I'm going to be putting all that information up on the YouTube channel in the months going ahead. So please go to the All About Fitness podcast channel on YouTube and hit subscribe. And this really was a fun conversation. And I know, you know, I've said that before and I say that and I'll continue to say that with these. One of the things I love about doing this podcast is really having these conversations with really smart people who are doing very interesting things in the fitness industry. And like I said, Robert is somebody I've known for a few years. He is somebody that really just takes a very, I respect his approach. He's very methodical. He's very precise. A lot of times personal trainers just kind of wing it, run and gun. But Robert is very, because of the clientele that he works with and because of the methods that he uses, he, he knows what works. He reads the research. He knows how to apply the research. And he keeps track of the records. And it's funny. I've followed Robert and I've known Robert for a few years. We followed each other on social media. And he used to post all the planning that he would do for his workout programs. Man, I mean, if, if, his, if his workouts are anything like the planning for his workouts, no wonder his clients are seeing tremendous results. This was a lot of fun to bring you the conversation. Like I said, this has been a whole thread. What I try to do on the podcast is I try to organize subjects or threads of where a few different guests on a similar topic. So you've heard from researchers, you've heard from practitioners, and I have one more amazing interview on the benefits of exercise for slowing down the effects of the aging process. That's coming up next. If you like the podcast, please do me a favor, reach down no matter how you're consuming it. Give it a five-star, 20-star, 50-star review. Those reviews do make a difference. If you want to learn how to use exercise to enhance your quality of life, 
go to PeteMcCallFitness.com. That's my website, PeteMcCallFitness.com. If you sign up for my mailing list, I will send you a chapter from my book, Smarter Workouts, and you'll get one or two emails a month of blogs, videos, and all kinds of information that will help you learn how to use exercise to not only enhance your quality of life, but also slow down the aging process. If you're on Instagram, check out the All About Fitness Podcast feed on Instagram. That's All About Fitness Podcast on Instagram. And as always, thanks for stopping by. And I certainly look forward to having you join me for future episodes of All About Fitness.